This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everybody. The final two episodes are live right now. Or you can binge watch the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. And welcome to Recruiting Roundup. Recruiting Roundup is our weekly show that drops on Fridays, bringing you all the news and analysis from the past week of recruiting. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects 101 Pod. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm joined today by Brandon Pastel. What's up, everybody? What's up, man? You uh, you pump sports are finally kicking back into gear? Hey, I got baseball on. They're about to kicking things off here in any minute now, so I'm excited. Basketball starts up next week. I mean, shoot, even NASCAR is on tonight, so yep. it's finally a good time to just relax and just watch sports. Even though it's going to be a little bit weird without the fans, I'll take it. I'm okay with that. Just need to watch something else besides the news right now. Dude, I, I got to say, I was watching some of the preseason uh, in the NBA, and it was nice to see uh, just some action going on there, but it and. But it was really cool seeing some of the spring training games that they piped in crowd noise. I'm kind of a fan of that, man. I like it. Yeah, so they do that for soccer, too, on some of the international leagues. They'll pump in some of the fans, some of the chants. And from a – well, it's funny. But, uh, so I was watching a little bit. And, yeah, from a, a standpoint of – just from a viewership on, the, on TV, it definitely makes it more enjoyable. Because I watched another game in MLS that didn't have that, and I just – it's just almost eerie, like kind of weird. Oh. You can't hear the players. Dude, soccer's boring enough with fans. I can't imagine watching an MLS game without fans. That's not fun yeah. at all. To be fair, I was at my my brother-in-law's house, and he's a huge soccer fan. So oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, Phil's a huge soccer fan. I forgot about that. Phil, if you're listening, none of us like soccer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no. But, I, you know, I, I wonder if they're going to do that with college football, you know, come fall, if they're gonna if they're going to be piping in noise and whatnot. They probably have a few uh, proposals right now. Probably, I mean, they have some test dummies in front of them right now. They got MLS, they got the NBA, they've got other things that are probably going to do it. See how it works out without the crowd noise. Obviously, that kind of elimination of them to an advantage to an extent. But what else does that kind of enhance? We're talking about like defenses might be completely quiet while the offense is on the field and just like as they're doing audibles and everything. Because like as a secondary player, I can never hear the quarterback. I can never hear right. things like that. But they said it might be so quiet so that the whole entire defense can hear audibles 
different like line of scrimmage. You know, I have the center kind of like points everyone out. Like they're gonna yeah. start just shutting up and listening to what the offense is doing, and maybe pick up on a thing or two. Dude, you know it's gonna be wild. What if they go like? Str- Dude, you know there's gonna be teams that go straight hand signals and like sign language. <laughs> you like give me the indicator. <laughs> That's going to be wild. Could you imagine watching the game and seeing, like, the offense and defense just purely communicating by, like, hand signals and, like, maybe looking over to the sideline instead of, like, actually calling out stuff? That would be the most bizarre thing ever. I'm up for it, man. Like, I think people just got to get that that crap out of their mind that it's going to be, like, football and sports like it was last year. It's going to be different. Some things aren't going to work. Some things are going to work. Hey, the starting quarterback for Alabama or for Florida or whoever it is, he might be missing for two weeks. Like, we don't know. Like, just yeah. accept it. Embrace the fun of the game, I, the sport. I mean, you might not have that competitive uh, balance that you once had because of the virus and everything else. But, hey, yeah. sit back, enjoy it. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to look back on 2020 in that sense. But, man, that was crazy. Like, they had no fans in the stands at one point. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping either they, they can socially distance enough and bring in the bands to at least have the bands in the stands. Or that if they're going to pipe in – if they're going to pipe in – noise they need to pipe in the band oh for sure have like a little uh what do they call that like a band off at halftime or something like that <laughs> like drumline the movie you ever watch that yes yes, yes. like that. like make inter- uh, make make some other things interesting in the game because obviously yeah that environment won't be there well speaking of 2020 and we'll kind of jump right into it here not really a big surprise we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the big 10 going with the end game conference schedule only uh you know the Pac-12 has they haven't officially announced it but everything kind of leaked today and basically what it's saying is the Pac-12 is planning on moving forward with a 10 game conference only schedule the official announcement is expected next week but they're going to have weekly matchups and essentially what the plan is that they're going to start in, in in mid-September, which would be around the third week of the season uh, normally. I think it's September 19th is when they would start the season openers. So essentially what that means is it's just giving them more leeway to delay the season and, and just get a full view on what everything looks like. But again, no surprise. You know, We saw the Big Ten doing this, and we had heard rumors that Pac-12 wasn't far behind. The ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC sound like they're still holding out hope for out-of-conference games, but it would obviously only be between those three conferences. But the Pac-12, like I said, it's been leaked, and it looks like that they are going strictly in conference schedule. Brandon, what do you think about that? I mean, it's no surprise. I think we kind of all expected that. I almost expected, really, the Pac-12 to be one of the first conferences to possibly even like not play college football. So the fact that they're kind of pushing forward and actually advocating for – a 10-game schedule, I think, is a positive sign uh, for college football fans. And I think it's going to be fun. I mean, we're going to find out who the actual winner of that conference is because they're all going to play each other for the mm-hmm. most part. It's not like you're going to play five or six in-conference games. It's like, now you're pretty much playing just about everybody. I mean, the Pac-12, they, they have 12 teams, right? Yep. <laughs> yes. Well, you know how some conferences have. No, more. no, no. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll play everyone but, you know, two two teams about when I, and I like that they built in, like, these flex weeks, which are pretty cool. And basically what that means, if there's a, a weekend needed for makeup games, like, you know, if teams can't play in the opener, if it's too early for them to open back up and the conference, like, secured the option to stage the championship on the 11th and the 12th, and then, and then you, they can push the they can push the championship back. So the championship has three dates it can be played on, the Pac-12 championship, December 4th, 
December 11th or 12th or December 18th or 19th. So it gives them these flex weeks to have makeup weekends if need be, which I really, really like that. So You can do that if you don't have the fans that everyone's expecting these teams to have. I mean, the only thing that you now have to kind of, like, convince, like, hey, we're not going to go – or you can jump dates is the TV contracts because, I mean, obviously they're going to want to lock you in for a certain time. Yeah in a program, but outside of that, like, everything else is, it can be flexible. You don't have to ask for refunds. You don't have to, you know, do all these different types of ticket sales. Just play the other week, which is awesome. Exactly. So, not a big surprise, Pac-12 going conference-only uh, schedule. I'd imagine the other three conferences are eventually going to break down and go to that. Um, you know, maybe that maybe the SEC might hold out, but I got to imagine at this point all of G5 is doing it, even if they haven't announced it. And I'm sure the ACC and the Big 12 aren't far behind. Now switching over to not an awesome topic, at least if you're an Air Force fan, and that's and that's news that Air Force quarterback Donald Hammond III is no longer a cadet in good standings, as reported by the Colorado Springs Gazette. So, you know, he was a force last year and probably by far the best – service quarterback. Well, I don't want to say the best service quarterback. Malcolm Perry was a quarterback. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he was the best in terms of, I think, all around. Because everybody knew – I mean, they couldn't stop Malcolm Perry on the ground because he was such an athlete. But you knew he wasn't going to throw the football. Donald Hammond actually ran the – not only ran the wishbone, but he actually threw the ball fairly well. I think he threw for like 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns uh, in the air and 13 touchdowns on the ground, and they went 11-2. and two. He was a big, big, big part of what they did last year. And, and – you're an Air Force fan. This is not a good. This is not a good thing to to have drop in in mid July. Yeah, no, and trust me, like Donald Hammond, like let's kind of get it out of our minds. Like, yeah, he might not be an NFL type prospect, but even take the service academies out of it, he was one of the best players in that conference. You could argue he was the best quarterback in that conference. Maybe not from a passing standpoint, but an overall impact to what he had for that team. I mean, they went what was it, eleven and two last year. Yep, beat Washington State in the bowl game. And this guy was big time, man. I mean, big time. That's like you to your point, Kenny. It's really hard to defend the triple option as is. It's almost impossible if you got if if a guy can actually throw the ball as well. And that's what Air Force brings. And if he's not able to play, man, Boise State's gonna run away with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would think Air Force was really their chief competitor in the division or in the conference in the Mountain West. And without Hammond there, I mean, you know, it was kind of weird because they asked. They asked Hammond, you know, what would happen if he wasn't able to play? And he was like, yeah, we'll still be in good hands. But the number two, Warren Bryan, is a junior who really doesn't have a ton of experience. And you've got uh, three sophomores in Max Mazingale, uh, Hazik Daniels, and Zachary Larrier, who are also unproven. So yeah. It's just it's not it's not a good it's not a good start to the season for Troy Calhoun and Air Force. To be fair, like if he if someone asked him like, hey, so what would happen to the team if you couldn't play? And a guy that's about to be an officer in the United States Air Force was like, man, they would suck without me. Like we got nobody behind me. Like that probably wouldn't go over well. So yeah, I expect him to be like, yeah, everyone behind me is good. They could pick up right where I left off. I'm calling bull crap on that. I don't think there's another quarterback, triple option quarterback in the nation, especially this year, that's up to this guy's level. Yeah, I, I guess the, I guess the one silver lining to all this is service academies are very very adapt to losing guys. You know, whether it be to injury, whether it be to academics, whether it be to transfer. Um, you know, there's a lot of turnover that goes on at the academies every year, and they run a really basic offense in terms of the wishbone. So 
Yeah. I, I guess the one silver lining is, and also too, you're you're not really having to worry about can, are your backup quarterbacks going to be leaders? These guys are future officers in the military. They they have leadership qualities to them, and so, they had they had probably the best offensive line in that conference as well. Yeah, so. yep. It, it'll be interesting, but not a good start for Air Force. Hopefully, uh, Hammond can get back in good standing and get back on the team before the season starts, or at least you know within the first couple games for Air Force to make a run at the, what is it, the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, right? Yeah. That's yeah. What it is. yeah, the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. So uh, one other thing I saw, switch talk, now, now I want to really switch over to what we, we always love talking about, and that's recruiting. And I saw an article today on 24-7 Sports by Gabe Brooks that really caught my eye, and he was talking about teams benefiting from close-to-home recruiting during the pandemic, basically saying, like, these guys were getting – a lot of uh, signings, a lot of commits that were closer to home than what they normally would have had. Like they're recruiting out of their backyard extremely, extremely well. And, and I thought it was pretty interesting. So the three schools they had were Miami, USC, and UNC. And, or, I'm sorry, and Washington. Those, those were the four schools they had. And it, it's no surprise that all four of those schools are having mega, mega recruiting um, you know, years right now. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and it makes sense, right? I mean, a lot of these guys, even though you can't visit the schools officially right now, and by the way, Stanton for the Yankees just went yard first inning. Pretty upset that they're playing the Nationals right now. But moving on, uh, just kind of the official business can't happen. But if you're going to go to an unofficial visit and kind of just visit the campus with your parents, which is what we see a lot of recruits doing right now, you're not going to want to drive all across the nation. Like a lot of these people probably are just driving to their – their state schools or states right outside of their state. So if I'm a Virginia recruit, the farthest I'm probably going to drive is, you know, South Carolina or Pennsylvania outside of the state. So it makes sense that a lot of these guys are staying in, in, in state because that's the only school they really want to visit at this point. Cause who wants to drive that far to visit other schools? Even though I have seen some recruits from the state of Virginia go down to like Oklahoma, man, which is like a 19 hour drive. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it makes sense from the standpoint. You really can't see other schools right now. Well, and I think it's big, too, because, you know, we always talk about if you recruit – I mean, I, I think this is a pillar of the show at this point. If you can't recruit in your backyard, you're not going to win. And for schools like Miami, uh, USC, UNC, and Washington, to be able to lock down these these backyard recruits like they are, that bodes well as long as they can keep them, which I think they can because I think these guys have a less – I think this is a smart strategy, too, because I think these guys have less of a potential decommitment, which I know you, you've been a big proponent of saying that you think there's going to be a lot of decommitments once things you know, potentially open back up. And, but I think if you're recruiting guys out of your backyard, that leaves you less vulnerable to these decommitments because they're at home. No, I mean, I, I definitely agree at that point. It's a, it's a solid point. I just think really from the decommitment standpoint, one, obviously everyone's just trying to get a spot while there's still one unless you're like a really, really top-end prospect, you know there's going to be a spot for you everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. But if you're a three-star, three-star player and there's an offer for you and everyone's committing at an all-time high in front of you, are like, well, that scholarship might not be available in two months. And so when you start doing these like early commitments without really seeing the school like we've talked about, and if everything opens up, you know, we'll just say best-case scenario, recruits can go actually see these schools and they get to meet the coach staff, get to know them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They might find out, hey, this school ain't for me. Or they also recruited six other safeties. I'm the seventh safety. There's probably not a spot for me anymore. Uh, and we've talked about it before, man. Like there's some schools now have like six, seven quarterbacks deep in some rooms that 
hey, if I'm a four or five uh, star quarterback, I know I have a lot of faith in myself, but without that one time transfer rule, transfer rule being uh, in, in place yet, I don't know. Maybe I do transfer or decommit and go to another school this offseason. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very good point. Very good point. I, uh, I gotta imagine before we move on to the next topic, if you're in the age of technology that we're in now, if you're a, a, a high school player and you're about to commit somewhere and, and, you know, in this, in this pandemic in the middle of what's going on, and like you just said, you're like, oh, and you realize that these guys have recruited six safeties. I'm sorry. If you recruit, if you commit somewhere and you look and you haven't, you haven't looked at their current recruiting class and haven't seen that they've rec- recruited or had four like safety commits, you're crazy. Yeah. Well, the thing, what I'm saying is really, what about that three star safety that at the time there's only two other safeties, but then say a school like Florida, who actually does have a pretty deep uh, defensive back recruitment class this past year, you know, the four star commits and then the five star commits because both of those guys think they're going to play over that three star. Mm-hmm. So now that safety class is five deep and it's like, well, that three star who was the second safety at one point is probably like, hmm, <laughs> probably not going to play now. So yeah. I'm going to go to a school that I can play at when. So that's where maybe that's really where the decadence come from is the three star standpoint. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And now I want to switch over to something I've been waiting for for about two months since no. you first made this statement. Before you made this statement, you said that you were going to guarantee that Alabama wasn't going to be a top ten recruiting class this year because they started out so slow. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Brandon, but not only have they jumped up to number two in the country, they're also, if you look at it, they're they're running right there with Ohio State in terms of the average like recruit signing, like the average score of their signings. They're just a hair under Ohio State. Like if they lock down a couple more four stars, they're going to be right there with them. And we've already talked about Ohio State having a potentially historic recruiting class. Now we know Ohio State leads a couple crystal ball projections on some other five stars. So Alabama probably won't catch them, but not only is Alabama number two, but they're number two with their average recruit as well with a nine, with a 0.9418 average rating. So my question is, Brandon, how does that crow taste? (laughs) Uh, Man, it's early, dude. It is is July. We can't officially lock this in until next year. So a lot of things are going to happen. All those decommitments I was talking about, they're going to all decommit from Alabama. Uh-huh. Go to Tennessee, go to Ohio State, I don't know. Coming from, coming from the guy who was just arguing a couple uh, weeks ago that all the decommitments are going to go to Bama. So. Well, to be fair, I think there's already been two or three that have gone to Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Big time. Big time. We for them, man. I'll tell you what, if people are starting to think, like, and this is just trying to, like, make myself feel better, no one's catching Ohio State. I don't care if their average recruit is only a little bit below them. Ohio State has one. They already have four more recruits uh, more than them. They have a way higher total points than Alabama. And like you said, Kenny, Ohio State has a lot of crystal balls that are still in like the top 20 yeah. athletes out there. So Yeah, I don't think they're going to catch them. But I do think Alabama I, – I really think at this point the only team that could unseat Alabama is probably Georgia. They're the only one with a similar, you know, average rating in terms of score. And that's what kind of what's important when you look at this is when you look at their average rating of recruit and then you compare that with the how many recruits they have, which is why when I see like Georgia at, you know, 15 or 16 and you're like, oh, wow, that's low for them. But then you look and they have like five less recruits than everybody ahead of them. And 
there's also some, a little bit more factors into that as well as like how many scholarships does each school mm-hmm. have available. So say Alabama, they only had, we'll say 18 scholarships this year. Like it's almost unfair to them because yeah, they have an all an average, you know, rating way higher than everybody else, but they only have 18 scholarships and say Oregon has 30. Right. Like they, and they, and they only get all nothing but three and four star athletes. Oregon's going to jump them. Right. Uh, yep. So I just don't know that. I don't know that number, like how many scholarships every team has. Needless to say, Alabama's crushing it. I think there's a few other schools though that might be able to catch them. And that's Oregon, number three. Like you look at them as well, man, they have a lot of crystal balls playing to them. Yeah. Uh, as well, so I think they might be able to make a jump into that top two as well. Yeah, and you mentioned Bama having a good week, man. Dude, July's been Bama's month. I mean, you're talking about they landed a five-star Tommy Brockenmeyer. They landed four-star Dallas Turner. They landed four-star Terrence Ferguson. Then they landed four-star Kendrick Blackshear. Then they landed four-star James Brockmeyer, Brockermeyer, who's obviously we just talked about his brother. Yeah, the twin uh, brother. They, they commit the same day. And then, then they landed a three-star in uh, Kadarius Callaway. And this is all in the month of July. Like, they've been on fire. Oh, so there's already been talks about Alabama having the best offensive line recruiting class ever. Oof. I mean, you talked about, you said, a five, a highly rated four, and another highly rated four. And I think they have a few more on the way. Like, they might be set with their offensive line for the next four years with this recruiting class. Yeah, they've got – they've literally got – they've got a, a four-star center, a four-star guard, a four-star tackle, a five-star tackle. I mean, that's – I mean, right there. I mean, that could be that could be their line in three years in the national championship. Like, that's insane. Well, tied, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, business, is, business as usual, and uh, – I can't wait to play these clips later on uh, over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then let's jump into some notable commits this week. What is up, Prospect 101 fans? Guess what? Sports are finally coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's absolutely no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action on this week's big UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and even the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has the future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BlueWire. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. So the state of Florida had some really good uh, luck this week. Miami signs five-star athlete. James Williams, and then Florida, the University of Florida, had a a commitment from Marcus Burke, a four-star wide receiver. So, you know, James Williams is is very interesting. He's 6'5", 218 pounds. He's the number one athlete in the entire country, and he's the ninth overall prospect. And what was very surprising about him signing with Miami was, if you looked at their crystal ball, he was an eight out of 10 to Georgia. Like nobody had picked him going to Miami. And then all of a sudden he picks with Miami. I mean, he's a very, very rangy player. And I thought it was interesting. The comparison a lot of guys are giving him are is Isaiah Simmons. Ooh, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a lofty comparison. That is a very lofty comparison, but that's, that's what they, um, they, they, they project him at safety, but they, they also, Talk about him being like that kind of do it all on defense, just like Isaiah Simmons was. I mean, you think about it, he's 6'5, 220. I'm sure he's got room to put on more weight 
and if you're six five two twenty and you're as athletic as he is, man, that's 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 rare on defense when you're not when we're not talking about like a rush edge or a defensive lineman. Like you don't see a lot of six five linebackers or six five safeties. You just don't. Like not 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 that are extremely athletic anyway. So uh, Miami obviously lands a big one, and like I said, Marcus Burke commits to um, Florida and adds to their already stacked class. But that really wasn't a surprise. He had been predicted to go to Florida for a while, according to twenty four seven. And then two two that really caught my eye, and and that was Justin Macias Jr. safety at who committed to ULM. And then Dewan Grant, a cornerback who committed to ULM. Now, why I bring that up is it honestly just gives me a reason to gush about their head coach, and that's Billy Napier, who might be my second favorite G5 coach outside of my boy Will Healy. By the way, if you haven't listened to that interview yet, we did have the Charlotte 49ers head coach Will Healy on the program a couple weeks ago. So whatever your whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now, Go back a couple episodes and look for our interview with Will Healy. You will not regret it. It was an amazing interview. But this guy, Billy Napier, is in, in my opinion, in the same level as Will Healy and is that next big coach. You know, he doesn't get a, he doesn't get a, a ton of credit uh, at Louisiana, but he's 40 years old. He's a former Clemson offensive coordinator. He was at Alabama. He bounced around to Colorado State and was at Arizona State for a little bit. And then he got, and then he took the head coaching position at Louisiana. And all he's done is gone seven and seven his first year, and then eleven and three last year at a program that's historically really, really, really not good. Um, to put it politely, he was Sun Belt Coach of the Year last year. Like I like this guy a lot. He's done a lot of good things, and he's he's actually recruited very, very, very highly at Louisiana in the Sun Belt for a Sun Belt program, what he's done there from the recruiting thing, you haven't seen that. In, even at App State, you haven't seen the kind of recruiting he's put up the last two years. And now he's starting to get more and more guys coming into the program this year. And I'm, I would not be surprised if you start seeing Louisiana shoot up the uh, shoot up the recruiting rankings board. But big fan of Billy Napier's. You don't know who he is. I, I highly recommend you go look up some of his, his pedigree because he's the next big coach. He's one of the next big stars out of the G5 program. And then another guy who caught my eye was Tyrese Johnson, who's a high three-star wide receiver. He committed to Arizona, which is really a big deal for Arizona. You hear me say, like, oh, he's just a three-star. You know, why is, why is he making a big deal? Arizona just doesn't recruit well. They historically haven't recruited very well ever. And Kevin Sumlin is on the hot seat. You know, the, he's got to produce this year, and for him to – but at the same time, you know, it's tough to recruit when you're in the hot seat. Look at what look at what Clay Helton did last year at USC when he was on the hot seat. They had, like, the 75th-ranked recruiting class last year. So it, for him to start bringing in some of these guys and bringing in some of these higher-rated higher higher three-star prospects, you know, he had 18 offers. He, he committed to Arizona for some big-time programs, and not only that, He's now got to, Kevin Sumlin's got to keep pace with what Herm Edwards is doing over there, Arizona State. So this is a big, big get and a big shot of the arm for that program. Yeah, another thing about Tyrese Johnson too is he's a dual sport athlete, man. He had a he had offers from schools like Georgetown in basketball, man. So like, if that just goes to show how athletic this guy is, I, I think he's going to be a dynamic, dynamic wide receiver for Arizona and yeah. an injection of like good talent that that program absolutely needed. Yeah, and, and they have a they have a very interesting quarterback this year in Grant Gunnell who who looked 
decent. He looked pretty decent um, last year in, in, you know, limited duty, split in time with Khalil Tate. So, you know, if he turns out to be the real deal and maybe Tyree Johnson could see the field as a true freshman, it, it could be electric or at least, you know, it bodes well for, you know, a possible connection down the road with Gunnel as long as Kevin someone could potentially stave off the wolves essentially. But, you know, so that's that's kind of uh, our FBS update. Pastel, why don't you fill us in on some FCS stuff that's going on this week? Yeah, sure. Uh, pretty exciting news, you know, for the Central Arkansas Bears. They got two players this past week, uh, one being – a big-time tight end who's six foot three, two fifteen, and his name is Montrell Smith. He had offers from like Lamar, Texas Southern, Grambling State, and a few other schools. I mean, I think he unofficially visited even uh, Houston, another big-time program there in Texas. This guy's a well-established football player uh, in the state of uh, Texas. He's a 2017, 2019 state champion. He was first-team All-State in Texas in 2019. If you watch his huddle uh, film, he's got he's got good hands. He's Actually, extremely good blocker for even his size at 215 pounds. I like to see him uh, go up and get the ball the way he does. I think he's a little bit slower than I thought he was going to be. He's still a decent speed, nothing not yeah. special, but good enough. And then he just he's tough to bring down. He runs hard. So a good pickup for Central Arkansas. They also got another guy, a safety from Texas. Uh, he's a little bit smaller, Brett Lynch. He's 5'9", really 5'8", probably, 165. A little bit on the smaller end, but the guys, he's all around the all around the field and you see him take great angles on his, on the in the run defense. You see him kind of fill the gaps. You see him even get on the like some of these blitzing packages. They utilize him in that. I mean, you know, just he plays he plays the one high safety pretty well as well. So I think two big guys, pretty good signings for Central Arkansas. Which mind you, remember they have a guy there right now, Robert Rochelle. I talked about him in another segment before. Yeah. I think this guy's gonna be a stud in the NFL, like probably a fourth or fifth round cornerback. So Brett Lynch is gonna have to go in there and kind of like live up to that heritage of the defensive backs in Central Arkansas. Because they also had another guy get drafted a couple of years ago, I think, in the fourth or fifth rounds. So Central Arkansas has a little bit of a name for themselves in that defensive backfield. By the way, if you haven't gone and go looked at, like, highlights of Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas, the dude's, like, sitting down on, like, a 12-inch, you know, like, box jump uh, type of little box, and he jumps, like, 50 inches in the air. Like, it is unbelievable how explosive this guy is for, for Central Arkansas. So – Big time uh, week for those guys. One other guy I'm going to talk about real quick is Tremarian McNulty, the cornerback mm-hmm. from Western Carolina. He played both offense and defense. Uh, he's definitely going to be probably more utilized on the defensive side uh, for Western Carolina. He's six foot, 180. This guy is very, very, very fast. And he had big time offers, you know, for a guy that goes to Western Carolina. He, he had offers to Marshall, Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. Southern Miss, and again, Grambling State. Uh, he had 19 pass deflections this past year, three interceptions. Kind of just shows how good of he is with the ball in the air and how he can get his hands in there and just kind of be that disruption that you want to see in your defensive backfield. So great speed. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually use him in some offensive packages because of what he was able to do in high school. Uh, he has good breaks on the ball, and he just attacks the ball runner wherever that ball runner is. So something I really like to see in the cornerback. He's got good size. I think it's a great pickup for Western Carolina. This yeah, and it's always nice to see these G5 programs, or sorry, these FCS programs getting guys who have FBS offers. Like, I like to see that. And and, and outside of the Ivy League, because those guys are going to get FBS guys, but they're also going to get, you know, they're getting those guys because of the institution, the academic institutions that they are with the reputation. But it's good to see programs like Western and, in Central Arkansas, and and all of them get guys with FBS offers. I think it just makes the the playing field that much more fun. 
Oh, for sure, man. I mean, it just sucks that we might not have a, a, a season this year for the FCS ranks, which, which by the way, uh, not to bring up another subject at all, but so a lot of schools are canceling on the FCS ranks right now. We're seeing that, or they're getting pushed to spring time frame. In case anyone was curious out there, schools like, so the CAA just said, like, hey, they're going to cancel fall sports yeah. uh, for at least, you know, a few months. But their schools are allowed to pursue being an independent team if they want to go ahead and play a fall football schedule. So teams like James Madison University are still playing in the fall and they're looking for opponents right now. And that could be FBS, FCS. But as long as there is still a, a playoff for the FCS, JMU will 100% still be playing this fall uh, just, you know, to pursue another championship. And they kind of have the money to do that, I guess, there. And kind of the pedigree that they know they can be in the running. So it's not completely lost for FCS for some schools, but there is a good bit, bit of schools out there right now that just probably will not be playing this fall. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, man. Yeah, let's pivot over to the G5 Top 5. I really love going over these smaller programs and just taking a second to kind of let everybody know where they stand. So the best G5 program right now in terms of recruiting is Memphis at 35th. FAU has jumped up to 40th, and they're the number two G5 program. Obviously not a surprise with the announcement uh, last week that you know, Deion Sanders' son is going to be playing quarterback, four-star recruit, uh, committed to FAU. Cincinnati has dropped to 49th, actually, and has kind of hasn't really had any major splashes since they started out kind of hot. They've kind of started to to drop a little bit in the overall rankings. App State is 52nd, and they're fourth. And then rounding out the G5 top five is SMU. But SMU is going to be very, very interesting. They currently have the 54th ranked class right now. But, Brandon, they have some big-time prospects that they are very, very much in the running for, uh, including a four-star offensive tackle who's the 39th best player in the nation, the sixth-ranked offensive tackle in the country, who they're basically – Right now they're a six out of ten, but they are but they are picked by every, by all the lead experts right now for him to commit to. Then they have they're in the running for a five star running back, Kamar Wheaton. Now they're not the favorite OU is, but SMU is very very warm. They're one of his top three schools, and the OU prediction isn't very solid. It's only one guy who's who's made a prediction so far. So and he's the second best running back in the country. And then they're also in the running for Braylon Jackson, who two of the lead experts on 24-7 sports have picked him to commit to SMU. And he's, you know, he's a top 1,000 player. He's the 54th best defensive end in the country. He's a high three-star player. So SMU, if they lock down, I mean, even if two of those guys commits, I would expect them to shoot up the the board. But just the fact that they're in the running for a five-star player – and I don't know if they're going to sign him or not. Probably not, since only one five-star recruit has ever signed with a G5 program. That's Ed Oliver at Houston. But to be in the running is just a testament to what Sonny Dykes has done there and the recruiting uh, side of things. He's really amped it up, and he's recruiting Texas well. All those guys are out of Texas. And, and, and he's starting to chip away at the recruiting base in Texas. He's really starting to get his tentacles all over the entire state. I'm really – I mean, you know I'm high on SMU this year anyway. If you haven't heard, if you didn't listen to our most recent uh, episode, our most recent preview episode, I picked them to win the AAC. But, uh, I mean, Sonny Dykes just keeping the momentum going. 
Yeah, we also just lost Joseph Manjack, who was a wide receiver from Texas, and a three-star player as well that just decommitted this past week. So where there is positive momentum, there is also some negative with SMU. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be I, – I wouldn't be – yeah, I mean, losing anybody stinks, and losing a three-star definitely stinks. But, you know, they've, they've shown that they can commit the four-stars. They've already had one commit uh, as a four-star this year. So – I man, I, I gotta say, if they if they land Bird, which would be huge. I mean, you're landing a top ten player at his position, and then you land uh, a guy like because they already they landed Preston Stone, who's the number. By the way, they have the opportunity to sign. So if they sign Savion Bird, who they're favored to right now. He'll be the number one recruit all time at SMU. But the, other, the second best recruit right or number one recruit right now in all time is Preston Stone, the dual threat quarterback, the four star who signed the number a top five quarterback in the country who yeah. signed with them this year. So it's if you're an SMU fan, it's been a rough it's been a rough couple of decades after the death penalty in the '80s, but things are looking up. Pretty cool. So and then to round out the top ten for the entire FBS, you know we have Ohio State at one. Not a surprise. They've been number one for weeks on weeks on weeks now. We don't expect that to change anytime soon. Alabama has jumped up to number two. Tennessee, number three. Number four, LSU, which is crazy, by the way. You have three of the top four are SEC teams, so much for the SEC being down in recruiting. Oregon, Oregon fifth, USC sixth, UNC seventh, University of Michigan eighth. Clemson ninth and Florida rounding out the top ten. Yeah, no, that's interesting. You know, the biggest thing that kind of caught my eye outside of Bama going up to number two was the fact that UNC went down to, what was it, number seven, number mm-hmm. six, like that? Yep. And when they were just a, you know, top three, top two class in the last few weeks, and I'm like, well, what, how'd that happen? I don't remember them losing anybody. Well, then I started looking at, you know, 24-7 sports today and so forth, and I realized that Brent Grimes – he's now officially part of the 2020 class and he's not no more than 2021. So that's, you know, their best player in 2021's class. He's a five-star best cornerback in the nation. He goes down to 2020 and they rank him the 48th overall best prospect and a four-star cornerback. And I think he's like number five cornerback in the nation. So Mm -hmm. while that obviously propels their 2020 class a few spots up, it obviously lowers their 2021 classes a few spots as well. So Either way, just something I thought was random why they dropped so much, and that's that's the reason why. Well, and that's going to be fun to watch over the next couple of weeks too because there's a there's a ton of, you know, chatter and a ton of news coming out about high school sports either delaying or canceling their fall sports season. So we might see a lot of reclassifications in the next month. Yeah, well, I also think – not I hate saying it's always a hot take, but hot take here. Uh, not only do I think there's going to be an insane amount of early enrollees in this – upcoming uh, fall or spring semester for next year. Like I think you're going to see most of these guys sign and be an early enrollee into that spring semester. I also think in these next three to four weeks, we're going to see an all-time high of people committing to schools, knowing that they can't play fall. Football is kind of – there's some guys out there probably thinking, you know, they're three-star athletes, but they're like, hey, if I have a good senior year, I know I can make my name for myself. I know I can go to the University of Michigan, go to the University of Florida. When I'm, my only offer is State Boston College right now. Well, right now they're stuck. Like they have no more game tape for them to go out there and prove that they are worth that scholarship. Right. So what, what are they waiting for? Nothing. Like, I would not be shocked in the next few weeks if we start seeing, you know, 30, 40 people start committing every single week in college football because there's no more game tape. It is what it is at this point. Yeah. I think, I, I think the only two states I've seen who 
have said that they're going to go through with their high school season so far is – Can I guess? Can I guess? Is yeah. Alabama one of them? And is Louisiana the other? No. Oof. It's actually not what you – it's actually the opposite of the South. Northeast? No, it's actually uh, – I guess you call it the North Midwest or whatever you would call it. Like Ohio and stuff like it's that? It's Iowa and Michigan. Oh, wow. Yeah. They said they're going to go forward, or at least right now they've announced that they're going to go forward with their high school football season. So should be interesting. Well, that wraps it up for Recruiting Roundup. We appreciate you listening. You can follow and interact with the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Prospects101Pod. We're always posting throughout the week. And make sure whatever social media you follow us on, go check out our $50 Fanatics giveaway. And the way that works, and it's specific to each social media platform, so make sure you read the flyer. But I'll use Twitter as an example. You retweet the post on Twitter, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the show. You will automatically be entered to win a a potentially up to $50 item on Fanatics. So essentially what that means is you'll browse through Fanatics Pick out what you want. As long as it's under 50 bucks, we'll cover the cost and get it shipped to you, and it'll be on Prospects 101. So make sure you check that out on all your social media accounts. And then make sure to listen to us on all your favorite podcast platform. Wherever you're listening to us at right now, make sure you're subscribing. Stay up to date with all of our episodes. A lot of great interviews upcoming, more great content, more great previews as we get closer to the 2020 football season. And make sure to give us a five-star review as well. We really appreciate that. It helps the show a lot, and we really appreciate you spreading the good word. For Brandon Pastel, I'm Kenny Keller. Have a great weekend.